looking for the King of Podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Mmm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm -mm Mmm-mm-mm. Don't mess with me, I'm one crazy mofo. Hey, I know we have a lot of horror fans that listen to our shows, and I know things have been tough for everybody across the board these past six or seven months with what's been going on in the real world, but I wanted to make a suggestion to you horror fans, because I know part of the normal routine year in and year out is to attend different conventions to meet some of your favorite horror stars. However, none of us have been able to do that because of obvious reasons. But I do have a little suggestion for you. SignatureHorror.com Now, some may ask, what is that? Well, they obtain autographs for the fans from some of their favorite stars, from some of their favorite franchises. Whether it be the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, and many more. They have different options such as, besides getting their autographs, you can do live Zoom calls with your favorite stars. You can do personalized videos for people, greetings of some sort. They just have many options. So if you're looking for to spend some money that you may have spent at conventions, check them out and see the options they have signaturedhorror.com that's right signaturehorror.com
With over 30 years of experience and a superb reputation for being a detail-oriented company, Lacey Cleaning has some of the highest work standards in the cleaning business. That's the fact, Jack! Whether it's carpet cleaning, tile, grout cleaning, new construction cleanup, rental turnovers, vent and duct cleaning, odor elimination, office and or business cleaning, power washing, residential cleaning, you name it, they do it. Check them out to contact them today, LaceyCleaning at gmail.com or call them at 609-709-8536. That's what I'm talking about. Hi, this is Deborah Voorhees, Tina from Friday the 13th Part 5, and you are listening to Crazy Train Radio. Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in a podcast world, your croc, Jonathan Steele. And boy, do we have a good one for you today. There is certainly more behind the beauty and looks. Our next guest, Miss Deborah Voorhees. Definitely proves that. So let's go ahead and jump into that interview and we will learn a little more about the depth behind the beauty. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the lady on the line right now is known for many things, whether it be filmmaker, director, writer, journalist teacher, you know, Playboy Bunny actress, and shower of clips to refrigerator salesmen, or delivery guys, I should say, Miss Deborah Voorhees. Deborah, how are you doing? I'm doing terrific. How about you? Yes, and I'm glad the little red button is showing this time, which is awesome. <laughs> It's always helpful. <laughs> yeah, yes, because I, I don't want to I go would have back. never ratted you out. You didn't have to rat yourself out. <laughs> you know you know what? I'd rather be upfront and honest with everybody than not. <laughs> right, wrong, indifferent. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> so, obviously, you were saying, we were saying in the past five minutes, <laughs> <laughs> before I realized a boo-boo, uh, <laughs> you said you were doing the color grade and little minute things, the sound and things, right. that, things that folks don't realize that go into making a project. Right. I'm working right now on uh, 13 Fanboy, and it's about an obsessed fan who is stalking the women of Friday the 13th and also Dee Wallace, who's from Halloween. And um, so, yeah, I'm in the final stages of editing uh, we have a picture lock, which means that all the visuals are in place. And uh, we've got our score now. We're finishing the sound design. And um, we're um, also working on a color grade. And our visual effects are finished and such. So we're super thrilled. Now, since you mentioned it's about uh, when previous victims of franchises, Mm -hmm. uh, like Friday the 13th and such, which ironic, you got 13 in the title of this. Right. But 
how was it when you approached some of the other people involved with the film uh, on the acting side when you said, hey, I got this idea? Because I know you, like I said there, you write and do multiple hats there. So how were they when they uh, when you said, hey, I got this idea, what do you think? You know, it was mixed. For the most part, by far the majority, I'd say 90% were just, wow, this is a great idea, let's do it. Um, it also worried some people. And um, they, um, particularly, we had talked about Adrienne King coming on board, but she had in the past had a- A real life, yeah. And so that was a little more problematic for her. A couple other people had some angst and they needed to think about it, which I totally get, because frankly, I did too when I first started looking at this. But um, for the most part, people were pretty gung-ho and just excited. I know that when we sent the script to Dee Wallace, she was just thrilled. She said, why hasn't anybody thought of this? This is fantastic. And so we were thrilled and she was an absolute dream to work with. She was very, she's very talented. She's kind of thoughtful. Um, I, I really couldn't say more too much about her. She's just amazing. Well, obviously it's a uh, very meticulous, I guess the word would be process in what you're doing now, the final stages of everything. Right. When do you expect it to be released and how do you plan on release? Is it going to be video on demand? Is it going to be DVD? How is it? Right. Um, You know, we have been uh, talking to several distributors about a theatrical release for quite some time. And uh, with COVID things are, you know, a little bit more difficult, but we were looking at this November the 13th, but my producing partner, Joel Paul Reisick, he um, did some research on what was happening with theaters. And obviously not all theaters are open, but the ones that are, they're not making their bank. So um, the, the films, even really big, big you know, studio films are just barely making anything. And so we feel like we need to give the film the absolute best opportunity to uh, do well. And so we're holding it and our goal, although it's not in stone just yet, but our goal is for the next Friday the 13th, which is August the 13th, 2021. Makes sense. Go with the whole theme and whatnot. But are you you thinking uh, definitely sticking with the theater aspect uh, first? Yeah, Yeah, that's, that's what we're pushing for. Well, if people want to see about that particular project and the updates, what's the best way to see that? Um, well, on Facebook, I have a horror group, which is called Deborah Voorhees Sheer Horror Group. That's a great place to go. We also have a page for the film called 13 Fanboy. You can keep up there. Um, you know, it's um, just as I know, things, I will be putting it out there. Well, you know, people are... Definitely, especially being home, social media uh, crazed in a right. good way, in a, you right. know, because of the story she mentioned, how it is. Right. Let's not get too over results. Keep an idea of that and uh, keep uh, reading for when this is definitely going to be coming out because it sounds, does sound like a good story. 
but I, I think we've got an incredible product. I really do. And you know, the little bit I've dealt with Deborah over the past few months here, because like I said, we had some mix ups and stuff during take one there, uh, other than the record button. But uh, you know, she's passionate about this project and you could tell that it's something good at least. I can see it anyway when talking to her the email exchanges and just everything else. So definitely looking forward to seeing that. But when we tried to chat back in the summer, uh, when you had to, and you mentioned you had a couple of dogs just getting out of the bath there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you were the first time we tried to do this. The one thing I really got a kick out of was we were talking about your journalistic background in the Dallas area. Right. And a lot of the stuff, some of the stuff you were working on was interviewing folks over a course of a decade for, uh, I believe it was for an unpublished novel you were working on, but the cases you were talking about and researching were very interesting. What made right. you go that direction for journalism? Um, when you say that direction, do you mean print? Uh, yes. You, okay. you were, uh, right. I was, uh, um, I was a print journalist for the Dallas Morning News, Fort Worth Star Telegram. Um, I also wrote for a period of time for uh, Front Desk Magazine, Modern Luxury Magazine, as well as the Shakespeare Standard, which is an online publication that it's the largest um, Shakespeare publication out there. And um, I, you know, I love the written word. Um, it's, there's something really beautiful about it, but in filmmaking, I've been able to take uh, that the beauty of the written word and mix it with um, the visuals. And that combination is just unbelievable. But uh, with the story, the big thing that you were uh, interviewing on was about the government assassins. Yeah. Oh, that one. Yes. Right. Yes. I had um, over a period of time, not as a part of working for the, the newspapers, but separate on my own. I had done um, interviewed three different government assassins over about a 10 year period and basically came up with a fictionalized um, version of um book that um but it has a lot of it, it it's authentic it has a lot of truth in it i mean not individual truth it's not about any one individual but um it has a lot of, of you know it's realistic as to what they go through now like i said i i believe that the title of that was memories of a hitman it was unpublished. Memoirs. Yeah, memoirs yeah. of a hitman. Mm -hmm. Now, do you ever see that being published and coming out? You know, I have thought about going ahead and doing that. I've been so swamped with everything else that I'm doing, but maybe it's time to, you know, once I get this put to bed, maybe it's time to spend a month or so to uh, get it out there and um, see what happens with it. Yeah. As someone who's a reader, as you can see, mm -hmm. uh, and that's just one bookshelf, you know, mm -hmm. I, I feel like the guys with a 
you see on like CNN or MSNBC where you got stacks and stacks of those type of shelves. Right. But yeah, it seems like it would be something that'd be an interesting read. Yeah, for sure. So, but I, like- I think it's got a lot of good pluses to it. It really is kind of rather than being like a thriller, all of the, those aspects are in it. It's really looking at its whole life. And um, so I, I think it's pretty interesting to just see how it uh, affects, you know, people who are in that line of work and also um, to understand kind of how it happens. You know, what are the, the logistics, the kind of person that's chosen, you know, for example, the need for somebody with a photographic memory because they need to be able to memorize stuff on a piece of paper and then that paper needs to be burned, but they need to know exactly what they're doing without it, but there can be no evidence left of it. Mm-hmm. You know, so the type of person that's involved in this thing sort of thing is pretty fascinating. And if people, at least I know, can speak from myself seeing things like mm-hmm. Iceman documentary and different things mm-hmm. as well. They, because you bring it's a brings up a good point there. Would you say that they're probably some of the most intelligent people that you would come across? Right. They definitely have to um, have very good memories, and yes, absolutely. But what? What? Speaking of intelligent people, and what? and just so you know, they, we're not talking about just somebody who take somebody out just a sharpshooter we're talking about somebody that has to take them on a mission and carry it out over multiple things and they have to be able to remember it all because it can't be left written anywhere exactly that's what i'm saying it's very you know intelligent process right yeah so it's not just uh let me some random thing yeah you're gonna go to this building and from this building you're gonna yeah no yeah much more complicated exactly but speaking of intelligence, I also was doing some reading because my folks wanted me to know how to read and write for some odd reason. I don't know. <laughs> you know, what the hell was wrong like with that? that? You know, go figure. No, but uh, <laughs> that you actually taught some uh, British and American literature. Right. In, in journalism as well in New Mexico. Right. And have taught some other stuff as along the way over the years here. What got you into interest in teaching? Well, I had decided uh, back when I was a journalist that one day I wanted to give back because I had some amazing teachers. I personally, I love to learn. The best thing that I ever learned going to school was how to teach myself and how to learn. And I wanted to be able to give that to other people. So um, when I left journalism, it just was a natural place for me to go. It's like, okay, it's time now. And did you uh, have a uh, college degree in teaching? Of or well, yeah, well, you can't teach without one. <laughs> well, well, yeah, some people, because you see, uh, well, what did you study? Because sometimes you see people who have a journalism background or this background. Right, well, mine was a journalism background, right? Okay, yeah, so it's, you know, it's interesting you see some of the teaching background that has philosophy or this or that you know what I mean there's right like you don't specifically go to school for teaching if that makes right. sense. 
I do have, I did also get my teaching certification as well. So I had both. And how interesting is that when dealing with students, I know teachers within the like elementary school, high school and whatnot. And I know some people who work at, work at colleges as mm -hmm. far as like in the administrative side of things. But right. for you, did you hear that? Or was that just me? I didn't. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had some background there. Uh, but uh, the uh, working with the students hands-on like you were, uh, how was that for you? That was my favorite part. That's what I really enjoyed doing. Um, you know, teaching is actually uh, a very creative uh, type job. I mean, yes, you could be the kind of teacher that just says, open your workbook or open this book and read this and answer the questions at the end. Or you can be a really creative teacher that's always looking for new and interesting ways for the kids to learn. So um, I always had my kids doing all different kinds of things from, you know, um, kind of, you know, like if we were working on a project to write, like say somebody was supposed to be writing poetry um, they could do a song with it, they could do the poetry, they could write a short story. Um, I would also let them do, you know, something comic book style where if they wanted to do different drawings and stuff, I was very, always tried to keep very open on what they might want to do. You know, whether it was um, taking up a wall and putting a mural up on it or whatever. Well, you know, I, I actually appreciate that. And you may or may not get a kick out of this. Uh, I was actually talking to Fred Schneider the other day from uh, the B-52s. Mm -hmm. And he ended up dropping, the story was, he ended up dropping out of school, University of Georgia. But the thing mm -hmm. that got him into, led him towards music and stuff, was he was in a creative writing class during his junior year of college. Mm -hmm. And he did poetry, as you mentioned there. And he, mm -hmm. uh, the teacher had no clue what he was talking about or anything like that for the, this creative writing course, but gave mm -hmm. him an A because he saw there was a certain passion about what he was trying to write. Right. So, you know, it was yes. interesting that you bring that up about the being creative with these students' uh, writing. Right. You've got to reach the kids. You've got to try and get them to do things that they feel passionate about because that's when they're going to choose to learn, not be forced to learn. And it, certainly there's certain things that they have to learn. You've got to learn to read. You've got to learn to add and subtract, multiply and do different things. But the, when you can really push the kids into the directions that they want to go and they can get excited about learning because it's something they are passionate about. You know, it's, that would be me. And mm -hmm. I have a couple tiny little issues, I should say. Mm -hmm. Rather not disclose in this format, but uh, it's funny because if I wanted to learn something, like I'm a big history buff and documentary guy and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. If I liked it, I'm all mm -hmm. in. I'm, I'm right. going to learn as much as it. It's funny. I uh, had a, uh, I have a relative who works at a college. Mm -hmm. Sorry, we're getting sidetracked here, but uh, because I didn't finish college, but yet mm -hmm. I have a very distinct knowledge of 
his, American history and the Kennedy mm -hmm. assassination. Ah, and I and I helped one of this family member's students mm -hmm. who was doing a master's thesis on that particular subject. Mm -hmm. And the person at first is like, well, he don't have a degree. What's he know? Well, right. when I came in, I go and off the bookshelf. Well, here, read this book, read this book, read it. You know, I mean, I came in with, armed and loaded and it was like, wow, he actually does know what he's talking about. Neat. You know, my bad. Sorry. Sorry. Right. Uh, sorry. I didn't have that piece of papers on the wall. Right. Yeah. But right. this wasn't conspiracy theory stuff. It was actually here. Yeah. From the different angles. So. Right. Right. But, but that's here and over there. Uh, obviously, we are in the month of October at this point. Right. And being different networks are di showing different series, and mm -hmm. especially the one that you were involved with, Friday Part 5. Right. What kind of response have you gotten over the years from fans? You know, I have been very lucky. I've really gotten really pretty much nothing but good um i for whatever reason people love my character and uh so yeah i've been very blessed i have some there's some horror fans are pretty amazing people they're they like get, they're like hanging out with a bunch of big kids who like to dress up for halloween which is really fun <laughs> yeah and again go back to the intelligence side of things i've always found that horror fans are probably some of the most intelligent people that you would come across right right yeah compared to the stereotypical oh they're just horror fans uh blood and gore and yeah these right. people these people got some more substance to them then yeah you can't really judge somebody by whether what they like on whether they're smart or not people are you know intelligent you know, and, and their hobbies and things that they do are really not really relevant. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, that. if if you if you look past the initial and actually talk with them, it's like at least everybody I've come across, it's like, you know, wow, yeah, right. Or, yeah, I mean, it, it's more than what there's more than what you see in the book cover. I guess is what you would say there. Absolutely, I agree. But uh. I'm guessing I know you probably heard this on many different occasions, but your last name probably helped you get your foot in the door on a project, right? You know, I don't know that it did, but they did find it funny. So did they ever try to dig deep in it? Like, oh, he's maybe a cousin or something like that, you know, taking all kinds of pot shots? Um, what, do you, what do you mean, they? Who's uh, they? Well, you know, the people that found it interesting when you were hired for the job. No, no. Hey, no. maybe we can That's make her a cousin. <laughs> yeah, we can make her a cousin or a sister or this. You no, know, but you know like how. But uh, is it strange to watch yourself die on screen? Not really. No. No. Hmm. no. And Not I know sometimes people take that deeper, but. I guess no, they, it's just, um, it's not real. So yeah. no, I don't really, no, not yeah. at all. But it was an interesting way to go at least. Right, right. Yeah. But uh, I guess m most people, I'd say maybe in today's standards in the 2000s or whatnot, 
where people mm-hmm. are a little, were a little more uh, politically correct, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. I could care less. They probably give you more grief about the uh, sex scene in a movie and nudity and all that stuff. I think you probably get more uh, crap for that than anything else. I think that probably wouldn't really change from back then to now. We're st- we, I think we as a nation are pretty prudish. And um, I think that, you know, we kind of got some weird ideas of what's okay. Because, I mean, I've had horror fans sit there and tell me, oh, well, we'll let our kids, you know, our eight-year-old watch the horror movies. But, oh, when your boobs come out, we cover his eyes. And, like, so he can see my eyes gouged out, but not my boobs. That doesn't make much sense to me. I think we're pretty uh, prudish and kind of behind on that sort of thing. Because, I mean... It's not like any of us have anything that we don't know about, you know? There's not like some great mystery or secret. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird. You know, to me, you know, I mean, I am very conservative in terms of, you know, you know, I don't run around, you know, in skimping clothes or things like that. Uh, This was a movie I did, and but... At the same time, I, I mean, I, if I went to a beach and a whole bunch of people were throwing off their clothes and going into the water, I'm not going to join them. Yeah. But I don't care that they do. Yeah. You know, we just kind of, the world's a kind of a weird place. I remember an old um, Love American style episode, and there was a woman who um, was... I don't know if you remember those. You probably are too young for them, but they were a lot of fun. And she would not allow her gloves to be taken off, but she kept trying to get him to take her dress off. But once he knew that the gloves were the no-go place, that was the only thing he wanted off. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So I thought that that to me kind of shows how we are. You know, it's what you're not supposed to see that you want to see. But I mean, what what about my elbow? It's kind of sexy. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh <Maybe>. yeah. <laughs> Can you ask your husband to leave the room, please? I saw that elbow. <laughs> oh shit. But uh, and because you mentioned a good word there, the prudeness. Mm-hmm. And yeah. At Very least prudent. in my lifetime, I'm 36. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've seen it go, and I, I know this might show a little how uh, times have changed. I was maybe three or four when I first started watching horror films. Right. So, but just in life in general, how it seems like people have gotten more prudish to from the mid '80s to now. Do you, would you say that's I, true overall? You know. I could definitely see elements of that. Um, yeah, I can definitely see that. Now, mind you, I'm all. Now, I don't mean that as a blanket statement, right? Because yeah, there's, there's there's different things, but yeah, yeah, I mean, well, now though we do have television programs that yes, they may be on cable, but that do have nudity, and nudity is a normal part of it. Um, I. Th- think though it seems to me we're seeing less nudity at the movie theater and more on the cable tv shows 
and or your streaming service? So I guess it kind of depends on what, where you're looking. And I'm guessing a lot of it is at the movie theater is to keep the audiences opening because you can chop somebody's head off and the parents don't care if the kids see that, but you know, have a boob or a curse word and they're, you know, <laughs> exactly. But you know, like I said, it wasn't going to be a general statement because some, I know I'll get shit for it, but I don't care because right. there are, there are certain topics we've learned from over the years. So I can see, right. you know I mean? Whether you look at, you know, LBGTQ or racism mm -hmm. or, you know, there's certain things we've evolved and learned from. So right. I'm not, I'm not saying any of that stuff. Right. Yeah. You know, where we're actually progressing. Right. Right. Yeah. Definitely. But there, but there's still certain areas that there's prudeness, you know? Right. What, right. Yeah. Like, and I, so much it is who you're talking to, because of course we still have people who get all upset over, you know, two guys kissing or getting married or something. And it's, you know, I just couldn't care less, it, you know, thank you. but, uh, but yeah, you, you definitely still have people like that. And it's just, you know, to me, that's a head scratcher. It's like you, I understand if you isn't something that you're into, but so don't do it. Exactly. <laughs> no. <And> <laughs> But don't worry about what your neighbor's doing. <laughs> What's the old saying about throwing glass stones? You know, you can't. Right. Yeah. You don't throw, you know, uh, when you live in a glass house, you don't throw rocks at them. So it's, um, yeah, it, there's a, I don't know if you've heard this, but it's a funny joke and um, it's a, a, a religious one, but it said, it's about um, Jesus is there and, uh, Mary Magdalene is there and he's stopping everybody and he says, those without sin cast the first stone and old woman in the back picks it up and <laughs> spits on his rock and throws the rock, hits her right in the head. And Jesus is like, ah, oh, mom. <laughs> oh. I don't know. I just thought that was really funny. Oh, I, I, I love that. And I'm stealing that. I don't care. Yeah, that's something right up my alley. I am stealing that joke. Okay. Well, uh, I stole it, so I didn't make it up. Yeah, it's well, and I'll put when I share that joke. When I type it out, I want to share it on social media as well. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna put the clip on, and I don't know if you've ever seen it. There was an episode of Family Guy oh, where yeah? they where they did this finding out where jokes originated from, mm -hmm. and there's like this old. Like light looks like an old college library that guys they kidnap guys and mm -hmm. yeah. So as soon as you said that, I'm maybe think of that scene as well. Interesting. So, uh, I'll, I'll share it with you as well when I find it. Yeah, okay. It's a, it's a good episode. Okay. But I've kept you long enough. All uh, right. If folks want to again, make sure you check out Thirteen Fanboy and keep posted at. Deborah Voorhees uh, Horror Group on Facebook. Uh, she's also all over Instagram and all that other fun stuff we'll share as well. So, uh, I, I have to say I've been pretty lazy on the other platforms. I'm on Facebook the most, but, but yeah, I need to do something with that. But I need somebody who knows how and understands all that over there. Twitter, Facebook, all of that. <laughs> exactly. But, <laughs> you know, uh, Never mind. I just saw some new 
because we were talking about nudity, I just saw a new guy run across the screen on cable TV. So uh, <laughs> there you go. And that was just bar rescue. And that's so what we need more of is naked men on TV. <laughs> yes, it. And this was just a clip for bar rescue. So go figure. There we go. Uh, we'll have some drinks with it too. Why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, but thank make sure. So yes, thank you, and make sure you people follow. Not all football helmets are created equal. Zenith, the industry leader in protective technology, is the only helmet in the game with adaptive head protection featuring a shock suspension system that can move independently from the helmet shell. Headquartered and developed in Detroit, Zenith is committed to player safety and revolutionary innovation. Zenith is proud to protect athletes at every level from Wee to the pros. Learn more about the Zenith difference at zenith.com. That's X-E-N-I-T-H.com. Thinking your day is bad and really looking to make it worse? Why not try downloading this new classic set of music that will be dropping so far off the charts there's bound to be injuries. Now that's what I call depressing. It's gonna make those who are even close to having the slightest glimmer of hope wanna jump off the highest of planks. For those that are getting Now That's What I Call Depressing, you'll be getting that song that reminds you of that relationship with those cougars, Wrinkled Ladies. For those who weren't really into cougars, but those who had that special friend while Sincel Black 2B, we got for you this clusterfuck that will put you in therapy for years to come. With cheeks wide open. <laughs> Who the fuck writes this shit? Oh hell, we're still recording this commercial. Always with you, it cannot be done. Those that rather have it out than in. This loaded hit will be dropping soon. Farthing in the USA. For those who place their order by calling or ordering online, the next hundred folks will receive their choice of either a noose of good quality that won't snap, an installation of a new outlet next to your bathtub so you can now blow dry your hair in a full tub. Or the choice of the right gang to just beat the fuck out of you. Call us today at 1-800-FUCK-THIS. This is Amanda Wist, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. (laughs) 